Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Tshera. Sitting next to me is John Tshera, per usual. This week, we are going to be discussing replacing a tenant. Now, if you'd like to talk about anything we have to discuss today, um, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com or come say hi in downtown Mansfield, Texas. Let's get into it, JT. So we get this. We get phone calls a lot from current tenants, and they're in the middle of their lease term, right? And they've signed a lease maybe in January, and now it's May or June, and they would like to move for some reason. They want to take a job offer across the country. Um, something's happened, and they call us and say, hey, we realize that we're still in the middle of a lease, um, but we want to leave as soon as possible or by the end of the month or what have you. That's where this scenario comes up is we we do, we choose to do um, a replacement tenant situation so that it's a win-win. Yeah, and this, uh, this comes in so many different scenarios. So many people who handle this differently. A lot of tenants and out there would probably refer to this as breaking the lease on their end. Um, we're talking about it from a landlord perspective of, the, there is a current lease in place. The tenant still has a term and obligation to fulfill. So when we say replacing a tenant, we are replacing that person who has that contractual obligation That's in right. a sense, That's in a right. sense. So, and, and I guess we'll start with why would you do that? Why is this even a thing? Why are we even talking about this? The reason we're talking about this is because of the obligation I just told you. Um, if you got nine months left on your lease, you got nine months of rent that you're obligated to pay on your lease, um, it would behoove you to have somebody replace that responsibility versus, you know, the things that could happen from just walking on a lease or or whatever it may be. And an owner or landlord or whatever the landlord is, whether they're an owner or property manager, what have you, they go through a lot of effort and a lot of work, marketing, screening, choosing, Right, preparing contracts and placing a tenant for a one-year lease term. Mm-hmm. We hate having to do that every single year on a property, much less having to do it four months later. And we talk a lot about the cost of turnovers, the mm-hmm. cost of vacancy, the cost of replacing a tenant. Um, that, that's where this comes a little differently. Um, landlords, a lot, a lot of times, stay try to stay clear of this aspect. Um, and I guess that's really what we're getting into is we come at this from a, if, if you, if you have a process in place and a policy or statute for replacing a tenant, it can actually be extremely beneficial. And that's what we're going to talk about because, you know, this cost of turnover, if you don't have that can be higher or there can be ways to make it to where, it, it's a win-win or it's a non-lose on the landlord side. Right? Well, yeah. The, and the reality is if you try to force the issue and your tenant has a great job that's going to pay him $30,000 more a year and he can't wait to get to New York to this job, he's going. Yeah, he's going. Whether you like it or not, he's going. So you can make it hard on him or you could work with him to make it a win-win so that the owner is not out of pocket and feels no financial difference whatsoever and now has a tenant that plans to stay there for another year. And we'll we'll talk about how this is done a little bit more. 
Well, and, and how we do it because yeah, this, how we, this how is we sticky. We're, yep. we're jumping into a sticky topic because not everybody does it. Not everybody does it. It's a huge range of how they do it. Yep. So sorry, I interrupted yep. you. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're you're absolutely right about that, Kyle. And 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 so that's all we're going to do is kind of give our experience and maybe our expertise on on how how we do it and why we do it. And and that's the reason why we do it is because it. it we try to. We've set our system up so that. It is a win-win. It doesn't financially affect our homeowner. They now have a new tenant that's committed for a whole year now, and we can forget about the tenant who needs to move on, forget about it. We can let them out of their contract with them upholding all the financial obligations that they're there to uphold. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, right? Yeah. Um, but now they can go. Homeowner's happy. We didn't like having to redo it again, but... You know what? It's a better scenario for everybody involved than uh, than the fight would be. Let's say, yeah, because that's that's really where the the conversation or the different sides of this comes in is, you know, they're breaking a lease. You know, so we're gonna charge the crap out of you or whatever, and charge you for the most we can, and have to find a new tenant and and all this stuff. Right? This is a huge range here. Charging people does not put money in your pocket. Right. There's, there's, we're, we're going to talk about realities here. Um, you could you know, charge somebody nine months of rent, right? Say your lease requires that. The things people, we've talked about the things that people will write into a contract. That doesn't make them pay you that. You know, there's, we don't want to, well, I don't want to go into the collection process and everything, but I, I'm, you're, I'm, you're right. Let, let's, you're, you're absolutely right. And I want to, I want to do a comparison. What, let's do a quick comparison. Let's do a comparison of what it would look like because there, you're, you're absolutely 100% right. And, and there's a good argument to be made for, hey, this person, they signed on the dotted line and they committed to this and mm-hmm. they shouldn't have done that if they weren't willing to follow through. So new job or not, they should follow through. Mm-hmm. And that is a, not only a legal argument, it's a good moral argument. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that argument if that's the stance that you want to take and you want to say, no, we're going to hold this person to it. And if they leave, we're going to charge them for the rest of the year and all that good stuff. Okay. Absolutely. I, I don't, it's not the way we go about our business. It's not the way we prefer to do it, but I do see why some people would do that. And so let's do a little comparison. Let's talk a little bit about what we do, Kyle. I want you to describe how we handle it. And then let's do a comparison of what it would look like if we did it the way I just described. I like that idea because we'll we'll start from, from our end. And this is, gen- this is in general. This is not going to be, you know, these things happen on a case-by-case basis. Some leases are different, but in general. So, say somebody has half their lease back or they're, you know, exactly six months left and you want to be replaced. Um, what that means is we can start marketing home for a new tenant with a move, move out date. Um, the, the other part I'm going to mention here is it, um, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? It incentivizes cooperation mm. on the tenant's part. So that's the first plus. It's a big word. It, it incentivizes cooperation from the tenant. And when you're, twice, when too. you're marketing anything or trying to find a new tenant or any of that stuff, you want cooperation from the tenant because you need showings, you need presentability, you need markability, marketability. Um, so you start there. And so say we find them a new tenant. Tenant that is being replaced pays rent up until the day the other tenant moves in, right? So there's there's 
one piece of saving the, on the landlord side, nothing changes or not. I'm going to get into it's not nothing, but you don't lose a day of rent. Okay. Uh, assuming a property manager, realtor listed this property, you're probably paying them a leasing fee for a tenant placement. So in this example, let's call this 50% of the first month's rent. So that would be a cost to the landlord. So a way of mitigating that is having the, the, you know, if there was 50% paid at the beginning of the first tenant, then they need to refund half of that because there's six months left on that, that mm-hmm. lease to yep. the landlord. Yep. And, or in some cases, all of it, you know, that could be part of your replacement um, thing. So there's really no financial difference to the landlord. So say it's all of it. They have the fee for this replacement is half the, the, the month's rent that you're, that the landlord would have been paying for this. Which new is tenant essentially is kind of like a reletting fee. Yes. It, it's, it's, it is the reletting fee. Yeah. So, on the landlord side, financially, they have a new tenant in there. They didn't lose a day of rent. They didn't have any added expenses for this changeover, but they do have an extra six months now of before this happens again. So it essentially, because the new tenant being put in, while they are replacing them, in general, they're going to be signing a 12-month lease, not just replacing that six months. So now you're getting 18 months, essentially, from that first term and that first leasing fee, even though you've had a tenant change. That is a very, there's more that goes into that, but that is a very baseline, you know, general example of what I'm talking about. So we used jargon a moment ago, so I feel like we need to stop and and go back and, and um, define that jargon a little bit. Okay. A reletting fee is a fee that is commonly used usually in apartments. We don't have one on our Trek contract for residential, but um, you can yeah, use them. Huh? Yeah, we do. But well, okay. They're, I don't think they're called reletting fees in there. But anyways, what they're they're they are a predetermined fee that you can pay to get out of a lease early. Essentially, essentially, technically, the way the leases are written, reletting is all costs associated with releasing the property. So it could be that placement fee, whatever. But technically, you threw the jargon in there. I tried to keep it simple know, as a tenant placement but, fee. But since we threw it out there, <laughs> I figured I'd try to define it. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about our replacement. I want to elaborate just a little bit more on the timelines, okay? Just to give people a really simple example of what you just described. Let's say a tenant calls us in March and says, hey, uh, I've got a job offer I'd like to take on July 1st. I'd like to move on on June 30th, if that's possible. And we go through this, re- decide to go through this replacement tenant situation. We start marketing the home in June. We try to find a tenant so that ideally, as close to that July 1st when they're leaving, we've got somebody going in there. Let's say we don't have anybody moving in till July 15th now. So that tenant, the replacement tenant, pays rent all the way up to July 15th, plus the leasing fees that you just described. And then we can terminate their contract and start a fresh new lease, 12-month lease, starting July 15th with that new tenant. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? I don't know if that's... I think it was important to do that because now I'd like to compare that stubborn landlord that won't do anything like this, right? Mm-hmm. I say stubborn as if it's a bad thing. I'm sorry. It's it's, it's just another way of looking at it. Um, the That landlord potentially might say, well, sorry, you have a lease through the end of the year. 
nothing I can do about that. You're obligated to it. That person's still going to leave on July 30th. Mm-hmm. They may not understand how they're going to get out of it, or they, but then they may just get up and leave. On July 30th, they have a vacant house. If they're lucky, the tenant tells them they left, right? If they're not pissed at them, they tells them they left on July 30th, and now they can go in, do the turnover, and and start marketing the home. So they haven't even started marketing the home till July. In our scenario, we got somebody in probably at the beginning of July. And started marketing it in June. Started marketing it in June. Probably got somebody in somewhere between July 1st to July 15th. Somebody's probably moving in. This person, if they're really lucky, they find out on July 1st that they have a vacant home. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they may not even find out. The tenant may not even tell them until they find out, they why didn't. aren't I getting rent? Mm-hmm. And on the fifth or sixth of the month, they go over there to find out that it's vacant. That's a more re- realistic scenario for that particular landlord. Now you're looking at probably the end of July before you start marketing it and maybe August before you get somebody in. And let's back up to that first conversation. You you present them with and this replacement tenant conversation time. or you tell them, no, you're obligated to this blah, blah, blah and they're moving on June 30th, a lot of the times they wouldn't have even paid June rent. Mm. Where they're pissed at you. They're yep. pissed at you or they they're need the money for what or whatever because there is no cooperation happening. But in this cooperation option, they are now incentivized not to pay just pay the June rent, but pay those fees that we talked about. Um, so, But in your scenario, you're looking at lo- likely losing June, July, possibly not getting rent again until August. Right. Well, you're you're absolutely right. That is worst case scenario. So even if you don't lose June, even if they pay June, you're losing July for sure, right? Like you've got almost no hope of getting somebody in in July unless the place is immaculate and you find out quick enough and you're able to market it. I guess it is possible, but most likely you're not getting much rent in July, right? Where in our scenario, you didn't lose a single day of rent mm-hmm. with what we did. And there's incentive to pay those things, right? Not just the rent, but the reletting and all that stuff. Um, Cause let's talk about, you know, the landlord probably has a deposit in general. It's usually one month's rent. Mm-hmm. Well, that one month's rent has now been blown in this worst case scenario or this other scenario by mm-hmm. that June or that July payment. It doesn't go towards repairs at all. In our scenario, ideally they've paid everything because part of this deal is you have to be on time with these payments as the process goes along. Um, we not just have those payments paid in full and no financial change to the landlord. You also have the security deposit for any turnover repairs that needed to be done, if any. Um, and the 30 days before when you started this process to evaluate for those repairs, get them done, you know, while the tenant's still in there, again, with an incentive on their part to get to allow them to be done and to cooperate. Because we just gave a good scenario in the replacement tenant situation. Most of that June period, this tenant's like, I need to do everything I can to make sure they can move somebody in as close to July mm-hmm. 1st. Because every day that they don't, I'm liable for the rent, right? And there's can be caps on that. There can be different ways people do it. But... um I think that's, it, it's, 
more common that people walk on leases because they're, it's so common to have that scenario you mentioned that they're expecting, they don't even make the call to ask because they're like, well, they're probably going to just charge me. They assume. Yeah. And, yep. and like most apartments in our area operate the same way. They in general require the 60 days notice still or 60 to 90 when you're breaking this lease. Um, you have to pay for those 60 to 90 while you live there. And you have a fee of like two months rent. So you're really looking at like four months rent. And this is in most of the apartment contracts I've seen or had experience with um, with friends or whatever, even when I stayed in years ago, um, that's how it was. It was the fee of two months rent. It was 60 day requirement. Um, so if you're moving tomorrow, you still got 60 days of rent, mm-hmm. two months of rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the landlord on your scenario is also not thinking is, Regardless of them having six months, nine months left in that lease, the day you place a tenant, you cannot collect double rent. So you move somebody in August 1st, you're nullifying their, that previous tenants August 1st through the end of their lease as far as their rent liability, because you can't, you legally can't have two people paying rent. Uh, Apartments get away with that reletting thing because it's a fee. It's not rent, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it can it's get just messy. the rental amount. You're right. <laughs> you can't charge rent to two tenants at one time. I know that for, um, individual landlords don't know that a lot of times and they do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sitting here thinking about like in, in my scenario, my quote unquote stubborn scenario is even if that landlord knew in July or in June, right. And said, okay, you're going to be leaving anyways. I'm going to, I'll go ahead and start marketing it, but you're still going to be responsible for the, for the lease till the end, right? That tenant is not, to your point, is not very incentivized to show the home and be cooperative, right? So you're likely not going to get very much cooperation out of that person versus what we do. We get a hundred percent cooperation. We make it so that it behooves that tenant to help us allow showings, keep the place looking nice, talk nicely about the neighborhood and the house and all that stuff when they meet people in there, right? Like all those things matter, don't they? Versus somebody who's like, yeah, you don't want to rent here. This guy's, you know what I mean? Like, well, and it also gives the tenant some benefits. It gives, I mean, there's a, there's a, probably a lot of benefits. Did you like benefits. my grumpy voice? Uh, I did like your grumpy voice. I might, was... might have done it too well. <laughs> But I mean, amongst all the obvious ones that come and we've already mentioned, they are likely wherever they're going, looking for another rental. In most cases, in most cases, they would like to get a rental verification out of you from the next Mm. landlord Mm -hmm. and not have to lie on rental applications where they're going or, Mm. you know, all those things. And if you have this cooperation and deal in place, you can give that and they can receive it. You know, they can get confidently give your name out to give this you know, it also, and that same reason incentivizes them to stay on time with the payments and yep, and all it. that. So, because the landlord's going to ask, have they given their notice? Well, yes, and this is what we're doing and, you know, whatever it may be. Um, when tenants try to do that while they're breaking leases, especially when they don't notify and the landlord gets a rental verification from a current tenant that has six months left on their lease, it's like, all right, well, I pretty much know they're going to break that lease. Um 
What now, happens what, with the next life change? Yeah, and well, what are they going to do? And what are the landlord's option if they don't want to allow any kind of deal or replacement tenant situation? They have to start an eviction process, and mm-hmm. likely that's going to cost or it's going to cost you money, but likely it's going to cost enough time to where the tenant's not going to pay that last month's rent. And by the time you have a court date, if they're out, possession has been given back and. Now, yeah, that process was a waste yep. too. So, because yep. um, we could get into collections and judgments for this amount, but all that stuff, collecting on money that it, it is way easier to get people to willingly pay money, isn't it? It's cheaper, I should say. It costs you a lot less <laughs> to get people to willingly pay what they're what they owe. Like, well, you're right. When they when they understand, when they agree with you about what they owe, and they're cooperative at the end. And then they understand where they are. It, it, you're right. You have a higher chance of getting that money later on, um, especially if they feel a moral obligation to pay their debts. And so there's some people that have all that, and then there's some people that just it doesn't matter. They're not going to pay it no matter what. Um, if they've got to wait two or three years to buy a new car, they will. Yeah, and they it can save delay of occupancy. You know, like they're the incentive part of the cooperation is is mm-hmm. is the underlying hidden factor here that really can help. You know, like yeah. now they have an incentive to tell you, you know, when you get this property back, that you you'll realize that you have this thing that's going to take seven days. So now. You, the lease you signed for five days after they move out needs to be extended, and now that's problems with the next tenant. You know, you get it's just in general cooperation incentive to yep. um, disclose, disclose, yep. disclose, disclose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Isn't that a real estate motto? Yep. Yeah. Disclose, 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 disclose. Is right behind location, 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 location. I love it. So, I mean, should you replace a tenant? Should you do replacement tenant situation? We think you should. Uh, I feel like it takes some expertise to do. I feel like that individual owner that owns one home and he's never done this and he doesn't have a lot of experience and he's kind of winging it, it might be harder for them to do. They don't know exactly how to present it, what to do, what what their obligations are, what steps there are to take. I mean, it's easy for us. We've done it over and over again and we've got a great system and 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 we think you should do it, but I do recognize that not everybody. It's not going to be as easy for everybody to do as it is for us. Well, and all the benefits we just described, I guess the piece of this we haven't dove in is probably the most important amount is these these fees. That's where this in the industry a very much there's very much of a variety and it ranges a lot. You could do our entire process that we just said and add on a two month fee for doing so. Right? Really. Can we? Can we? You really? could, but let's do that. Well, then, how does that make it any different? Does it make it advantageous to the, to the tenant being replaced at that point? It really does. Um, I mean, to some extent, it could, but you have to know those boundaries. Like, all right, you know, we're already having them refund this tenant placement fee. You throw two months on top of that. Well, it's like, all right. Well, if I break this thing, I'm probably not risking. If they know what they're talking about, or they listen to this podcast, um, <laughs> they may know that the math just doesn't add up. Because it, it, it partially a math game to them too, right? I mean, everyone like, doesn't want to judgment. Everybody's got their own economics they're dealing with. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you can work with them in a way that. Because really, those fees are going to if if the whole process works out and you add two months of fee, that's just an added benefit to the landlord that they just got extra for doing this and 
well, I don't think that's wrong. Um, that's not really what we're going to do. We're, we're talking about realistic. More of a win-win. Like yep. you could, like we always say, you could write anything into a contract. Mm-hmm. You, it's in the real world. You got to make sure that happens. You know, and con- you know what? I always say this: when you part ways with somebody in a real estate transaction, especially in a landlord-tenant situation. You want to part ways feeling as good about one another as you possibly can because they're living in your asset. Yep. And the the angrier they are, whether it's rightful, righteous anger or or unrighteous anger, doesn't matter. The angrier they are, the more beat up your house gets on the way out. That's just the like common sense bottom line of it. Well, and at least present the option, you know, at least have some option, even if it's a bad option. Yeah. And hopefully they ask, right? Because yep. the worst can, the worst case scenarios come when they people just, don't they ask. Just, you find out on July 1st, the house is vacant. And- yeah. And I mean, like, say somebody pays their, in the same scenario, they pay their June rent or partial June rent or whatever. They pay their June rent or they don't pay their June rent. Um Oh, <laughs> I can't do both at the same time. They don't pay their June rent, right? <laughs> Wait, are they paying their June no, rent? No, they're not, not paying, paying their, their June, June rent. rent. Then it, com- it comes the 10th of you trying to collect this and you serve notices and everything. You have to either find out that they've abandoned the property. But what's the timeline on that? What's the worst case scenario timeline on that? Like You're, toward, you're at the end of the month. Given, given the, the scenario that you just said, your best case scenario is you're getting them out. At the end of that month. Yeah, and there's ways to Which figure it out. Which is what they're leaving like, anyways. Even in an abandonment situation, the best way to confirm that, because in most scenarios, they're not answering you. You know, they're not communicating with you if they just up and walked. Um, you know, and, and you don't know that it's already vacant is because they're not communicating with you. So, you got to post an abandonment notice. The only way to really confirm that and post that notice is usually utilities or if you happen to be able to see in the home, all right, this thing looks empty, but that's harder than people think. You know, I, there's a lot of houses that are lived in that look empty <laughs> or don't have cars. Oh, I, have, I have stories, don't I? <laughs> I, went, I went through a, I, I walked through a house we thought was empty and walked through the final door of a house. I still thought was empty when I, even as I was walking through that final door and opened up a door to a bedroom with somebody sleeping in it. It was clearly on drugs because I was screaming my way through the home and they never heard me. Um, so to your point, and this is a little bit that's a little bit different of a house. That's the extreme. house should have been empty. It, it wasn't should, it just should have been checking for abandonment. Yeah, but yep. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, there's like we talk about a lot. There's costs associated with everything, and in reality, the best way to do this business is to mitigate your risk in losing. And, and things costing you a lot of money. You know, we talk about tenants, we talk about replacement tenants, we talk about turnover costs, all those things. These are all ways to mitigate them. And it's somewhat comes down to common sense, but it, there's there's parties in these transactions and you want the parties to fulfill their contract as, you know, as well, much as they can. Uh, let's but, bring let's bring it back to something that you and I talk about a lot, Kyle. And and we have a we have an entire podcast on this subject, and that is va- the cost of vacancy. Mm-hmm. And what those two scenarios we just described des- describe two scenarios of two different t- days of vacancy time, right? Between, like, I don't know, let's call it, you know, five to 15 days versus 15 to 45 days. That's a huge difference in money 
in vacancy days. Because if you remember, and if you you can go back and look at our, our, our podcast, I believe it's called The Cost of Vacancy, we go through how that cost, of, of that daily cost is what's your daily cost for your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance, your utilities, your maintenance, meaning landscaping and whatever other maintenance you have while you're maintaining a vacant home. And then your loss of revenue. So if you were making $2,400 a month, then you're now losing uh, $40 a day. Did I do that math right? Yeah, Whatever you, it is. You add that to to all those other costs, and you're looking at two dollars $300 a day. You make a it's great huge. point that we didn't even bring up here is in those two scenarios. In in your scenario, you... The you, owner lost. The owner's... Well, yeah, they're paying for all that. In our right. replacement scenario, tenants still paying, they're still renting it. So they still need, while we're marketing it and get up until the day this tenant moves in, you know, essentially you're still paying utilities, utilities keeping water on, keeping electricity on for showings, keeping the landscape good for showings because of that incentive again. Um, you know, not just the requirement, they have an incentive. You know, leases can say things, so that's great. But, you know, personal incentive yeah, is cause, even better. Because <laughs> if that tenant took off to New York... They still know because we communicated to them, okay, we'll have our landscaper go mow the lawn while you're, you know, until we get somebody in there, but you're being charged to it. So that episode of, uh, Steve's reminding us right now that that episode that is called the cost of vacancy is episode 37. All of a sudden I couldn't talk all of a sudden there from episode. Was that part of our cost of ownership or? No, it was, it was called the cost, cost of vacancy. Of vacancy. Yeah. So. That's what it was called. These things all go together. But having a process, like a lot of the things we talked about, having a process and an answer when you get that call, because you will get that call. I mean, you could have one property for 10 years. Somebody's going to ask you, you know, probably, <laughs> you know, if it, it, it'll come across that doing somebody two needs of them to right leave. now. So. Like we right do them now, all the time. Yeah, it seems like we're always doing. And we one. can say confidently that it general, you know, it usually works. Like it usually gives the tenant enough incentive to pay these things on time. More often than not, more often, especially than if you don't give them the option, because you know when people break their lease, it's hard to set an exact day of when they broke their lease, right? So yeah, sometimes when they abandon them, yep. So. Good, good topic, Kyle. Uh, yeah, I don't think we should beat this one up anymore. It kind of, just... kind of amazing that we have. I don't know what number this one is, but we have at least thirty-seven. Apparently, yeah, a lot more than that. I guess we did the anniversary. We did fifty, 50... plus episode. Come on, man, we're I at know. like fifty-four. It's weird. But I still find it hard to believe we've done this many of these things. And don't be surprised at the variety out there. I do bring that up too, because some property managers don't even do this. We're not just talking about landlords. We, I'm like this. This is a, I call it a sticky subject because there's a lot of different opinions and this is 55, this is 55 according to Steve. So if you enjoyed episode 55 or any of the 54 before it, want to give us a call, talk about anything, about anything, even golf. We talked about that for about 30 minutes before this episode. So should you use a seven iron the entire day? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. And we are TPM, and we are out. out.